0: Welcome to another episode of uh, Kingdom Perspective. I'm Scott Manette and here with Steve Higgs as always. And uh, today on this episode, we're going to be discussing compassion. Last week, I got into a, a conversation via social media with a friend of mine, and we were just kind of venting about some frustrations with things going on in society around us, some frustrations of just the 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 level of angst that that is just all around over racism and discrimination and politics and really, you name it, and and we're angsty about it. And my friend asked, I think, an important question. She expressed that she thought it was very important that Christians should be doing something, even the feeling that we should be doing more than we are doing in this climate, but didn't really have any answers for what that looks like. What should Christians be doing in a climate where it it just seems like we're powerless to change things, that there are things going on all around us that we don't like, we don't support, we we can't stand behind them. Either we don't like the politics of the thing, or uh, we, you know, we don't like uh, you know, this 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 story that comes out that's clearly uh, a story of racism or terrorism or even even natural disasters, hurricanes and fires, that seems like there are things all around us, man-made and, and otherwise, that are going on. And, and the question is, there has to be something as Christians that we can do. It feels like we should be doing more. I definitely don't want to diminish the value of prayer. We should definitely, we should certainly be praying, but that in times like these often doesn't feel like it's enough. And so I think that is is where the idea of compassion comes in. And that's what we're gonna be talking about Today, and so uh, I just heard uh, Steve preach an excellent sermon on this, and so i'm going 'm going to ask i'm going to start with Steve and ask you when we say compassion as a Christian, what are we talking about? What does that
1: even mean I think biblically there's kind of an interesting definition to that word because when we think about being moved we, we tend to think about being moved in our heart that man my, my heart is really moved to your situation in the bible it was actually more like your your gut your intestines that that kind of that kind of region of the body and that's when the bible talks about compassion it's talking about being moved by someone else's problem that i i see that you have a problem i see that you're in a a bad position and i feel i feel moved by, by your story I feel moved by what's going on with you. One of the great examples of this word is when Jesus fed the 5,000 and uh, he'd been teaching uh, throughout the day and you know the, the time was coming to a close and Jesus saw that uh, they were all there and had nothing to eat and he was moved. He was moved by their problem. Wasn't Jesus's problem, you know, but but he made it his problem. Right. And, and that's what compassion is. It makes me think of in Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus
0: says he he saw the crowds. You know, he, he looked at them and saw them, and he had compassion on them. And I think that idea of, of seeing what's really going on, seeing what someone really needs, seeing beyond sometimes what that person is saying or doing that maybe I even disagree with, but seeing them and what they need and allowing it to move me, allowing it to affect me in a way that makes me want to help them.
1: I do think, to your earlier point, I, I do think that is one of the challenges of a 24-hour news cycle is we are overwhelmed by problems and needs right inundated uh, with just we're, we're needs everywhere yeah and so I think there can be a point where you're like I, I can't be moved by anyone else's problems mm. you know and, and there can be a shutting down I think we have to resist that I've I've dialed way back from media and social media and so I, I think I think that is a necessary step in this is to dial it back a little bit reengage at, at different points of your day right but not be in it all day long because your compassion can diminish,
0: right? Well, and you run the risk of either becoming desensitized or becoming overly sensitive. Well, yeah, to, yeah. To, neither to one to of everything. those
1: things are good, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think one of the frustrations that that comes with all this, and and this is very hard. This will be very hard for some of our listeners to to accept, is that you can be moved by someone else's problem and you can feel this compassion. But the other truth of this is. Not everything can be fixed. And I, I think when you're looking at things on a global scale, I think that can be a very frustrating thing. Yeah. That that not everything can be fixed. And I know you've been reading some interesting stuff about, is that even really what Christians should be all about? Well, yeah. I, I guess
0: the question for me is, are Christians called to fix the world? Not, is that a good thing to do? Because I, I think everyone would agree that that, sure. I mean, making things better is good. They, I mean, just in general, I, I, I would yeah. think that we would, we would on the same, yeah, we'd be on the same page with that. But is that what we're called to do? Is that the mission? Is that the way we're supposed to use our time and leverage our resources? And I'm not sure that it is. Let me share this in in Isaiah chapter forty nine verse six. Isaiah is is addressing the people. He's 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 a prophet, so he's delivering God's message, God's words uh, to to the people of Israel, to God's people, and it, the the situation that they're in. They're in exile, and Babylon has conquered uh, the northern kingdom of Israel, taken God's people into exile, into into slavery. It's clearly not an ideal situation in their world for for God's people and. And many in that situation were demanding that the, the Israelites rise up and rebel against Babylon and improve their standing and return the exiles, rescue God's people and bring them back to their homes and, and back to their country and make it right again. And in the midst of that, God's message through his prophet Isaiah to his people in, in Isaiah 49, 6 says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. It's too small a thing for you to just try to, to handle this political world issue. And he goes on to say, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And so God is saying it's too small a thing. For, for my people to only engage in social justice, it's too small a thing.
1: Because the mission is bigger than that. It's funny because when you think about some of those big problems of the world, hunger and, and stuff like that, the ironic thing about what you just said and, and what, what Isaiah says is that you, w- you would think those things are too big. But he's actually saying they're too small. Right. There's a bigger thing. And, and I think as Christians, we've gotten really
0: flipped on this. That we think that the most important thing that can be done is, is humanitarian aid. And, and I sound like a jerk. Even no, saying I, this, I, I but, don't think you do. But but I'm not saying we shouldn't help people. We should. When I see someone who's hungry, someone who's homeless, someone who's who's poor, some that my heart breaks. I'm I am moved. I I have compassion, and, You're not I, all dead and I, I'm not. I well not yet, but <laughs> I I I want to do something, and and I think that's natural. I think we all feel that, and people that have. The means to, to do something need to wrestle with that desire, well, that, that pull toward compassion.
1: You know, what? Where, where I think this is all sniffing around is, to use a, a preaching turn of phrase, if you will, that if you give somebody water, but you haven't given them the living water, you've solved one problem to the detriment of a greater problem. And, and that's, the the water is important. The uh, physical water is important. Yes. But there is a bigger Thing.
0: Right. If all we're doing is meeting a physical need, then all we're doing is meeting a physical need. There is a deeper need. As Christians, we believe that you know the kingdom perspective of this this part of it is that there is a deeper need in a person than eating right. and shelter. That we as human beings have a deeper set of needs than what you can see on the surface. And yes, it's not a good thing for a person to be hungry or or homeless. Or you know those aren't good those aren't good those aren't that's less than ideal but there there is an even worse state of being that a person could be in, even if they were full and fully satisfied, even if they had a a large lavish house, there is a spiritual situation that a a person could be in that is worse than a person who is who is down on their luck and and we are called first and foremost as Christians to address the spiritual situation of the world around us. Our compassion needs to move us to address people at a spiritual level, would not say, only you say a physical level. Or, or you wouldn't. I wouldn't say first, but I, would I wouldn't either. I, I, I would I not. Asking. I would not say first because I don't think. I think reality is that you have to earn the right to be heard on a spiritual Correct. level, and and if if someone comes to you and they're starving and you're just trying trying to you know teach them right. the gospel you're even, not going to get anywhere they're not even no. Jesus
1: didn't do that i mean you no. said Jesus
0: fed the 5000 Jesus made sure people had food to eat but that wasn't
1: all he did i guess that's my point that's exactly what i would say is that the the spiritual component is the ultimate component it's not the only component but it is it is ultimate what where we want to get to and i i don't feel bad saying that yeah i want to i want to feed people but I want to make sure they know Jesus Christ. Ultimately, I think we've both
0: seen this done poorly, where where it's you know we will we will feed you, but then you have to you know sent through a church service. Yeah, I mean, like I think I think like looking at the Crusades is really the ultimate like how this can be really bad. That like you know you can die or you can be baptized. (laughs) Like that that I mean, and that's not what we're talking about. And and I think that we have to guard against that. We have to guard against attaching strings to our compassion, but. I am not ashamed to say that my compassion, when I meet someone's physical needs, it is motivated by a desire that their spiritual needs ultimately be met. It's it is mo- done in Jesus's name. It is. Exactly. It's done in Jesus's name. I mean, that's, you know, we a lot of times we refer to that, sh- the sheep and the goats passage in Matthew about how, you know, you didn't, you know, if you, did you give them a cup of water? Did you visit them in prison? Did you do all these things for them? And those are all physical needs, but... The thing we leave out is in my name.
1: And this is this thing can take a really interesting turn about where Christians should be investing their time and money in terms of social justice. And I think we're gonna do that in another podcast. Yeah. So we're not gonna go totally down that road, but we want we wanted to tease it a little bit. One one of my core convictions about this whole issue of compassion is a little bit of uh, wordsmithing and linguistics, but I, I think we've confused the ideas of compassion and justice and we've married them together, when really biblically they're two different ideas, that justice would ask, how did this situation come to be? So somebody's homeless, or somebody's hungry, or whatever position somebody's in. Justice says, how did that, this come to be, and um, l- let's go after that, and, and let's figure that out. And if uh, there's some area of injustice kind of hanging over that person, or somebody's treating them unjustly, go after that. Compassion actually doesn't ask that, in my opinion. Compassion asks, how can I help? And we've got to separate those two ideas. They're both Christian ideas, and, and we need to ask both. But compassion isn't married to justice. Right. Compassion doesn't worries less about how this came to be, and it worries more about how can I, how can I help?
0: And I would say in most cases, justice is God's responsibility. Correct. I would say in most cases, as I read through the Bible, the idea of justice and judgment, that's something that God reserves to
1: himself. Now, there are exceptions. And the world powers, right. he relegates some of that. He does, he yeah. does. He, yeah.
0: he he allows for, you know, the, the, the powers in the world have the authority to enact justice, to uphold laws that is consistent with Scripture, that's consistent with the way God's designed things, but, and ultimately they're responsible to God for that, for the decisions that they make and the way that they administer justice and uphold the laws. But the point is, it's not my job to hold someone else to justice. Paul even went further. He said, what business is it of mine to judge someone outside the church? It's not my job to look outside and and hold people accountable for their, their behaviors, good or bad, no matter what I might think about them. That's not on me. That I leave that in God's hand. Yeah. But compassion is something that we are all called to. You know, justice is something that we I think we all yearn for and we all desperately want to see justice done. But compassion is the thing when we talk about, you know, what can I do when I look around the climate around me and everything is just seems terrible. And and I disagree with like the last seven things that I heard on the news. What can I do about this? I think the answer from a Christian perspective, from the kingdom perspective, is compassion. Compassion is what you can do about this.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And and that's a good kind of segue because the other thing that kind of feeds this frustration about compassion is looking at things at a macro level versus a micro level, especially if you have an activist personality, I think you can say, man I want I want to see racism end you know, I want to see hunger end i want I want to see injustice end and that's a, a pretty big goal right <laughs> you know for for something that's been around for all of human human history. you know as we were talking about it, I would encourage people to think a little bit more at a micro level. Of that you can't solve world racism, but you can treat your neighbor with kindness. You can't uh, you can't solve some of these huge kind of macro problems, but you can be active and involved in your community. You can love your neighbor. You can love your family. You can serve your church. There's a lot of things that you can do, and I think a lot of people are frustrated because it's like we just want to end this huge systematic problem. Right. Well, not everything can be fixed but you can still make a difference you can at the micro level in right. your life well and and the micro level looks different
0: for different people i mean if you're a congressman then then your micro level is a macro level i mean that you right. have you have a voice in the system. If you're the president or you're in parliament, use your voice to put an end to slavery because this is a justice issue for you and you should use that position. But the point that we're making is most people don't have influence on the macro level. And you can just spin your wheels and never get anywhere and never do any good in the world if all you're doing is trying to change things on a macro level when God has given you this micro level. And even the macro Micro. micro makes it sound like it's less significant it's right, not correct,
1: yeah, no that's a, that's a very good point and i I think this fuels a ton of frustration is that man, nothing changes, you know, I write into my congressman, I do this, I do that, I'm trying to be involved and and nothing changes. well, you can still make a difference god, I believe that God has placed you where you are for a reason, I really believe this fully. That, that God places us where he wants us. He arranges things. And so he has you where he wants you. Love and serve where you are. Yeah, I always say that I'm in youth ministry in, in my
0: as my career and my calling. And I always say, if it's worth doing for 50 students... It's worth doing for two students. The, the, the number of students that we have in any given week, any given meeting, any given trip doesn't really change what we do. The gospel message isn't different just because you have a whole bunch of students versus just a couple students it's the same. The micro level is what, this is what you've been given. This is the influence that you have. This is the area that you've been given to demonstrate compassion. And I would also say to that 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 there's a a biblical principle that that the person that's faithful with a little is given more. And so if you want more influence in, in the world, then be faithful with the influence you have be faithful at the level that you, that God has given you. If it's if it's just your family, if you have if you have kids, you know, be faithful as the parent of those kids. If if you've got a small group of friends, if you work somewhere, be faithful in the environments that God has given you. Show compassion to the people who need your compassion, the people that you know, the people that you're around. Don't don't try to solve the world's problems when there's problems in your own backyard that need solving. Now I, what I want to be careful of is I want to be careful of negating the value of a global perspective toward missions. Right. Because what can happen here is people people hear us say don't focus on the macro level, focus on the micro level. And then suddenly global missions becomes less of a priority that, that that we no longer have to care about global things. We only care about what's happening in my hometown. Which would be
1: a real big mistake. It would
0: be a mistake. And so I guess I want to make sure that we're clear about this. When we're talking about showing compassion on a, on a micro level in the areas that you have influence over, I believe that global missions... Are part of that level. I believe that you do have influence through solid, good organizations that are, that are throughout the world uh, that are doing good work in Jesus' name. Just meeting a physical need is is not enough for me. I, I want there to be more than that. I want the organizations I support globally to have a desire uh, and a model to to meet spiritual needs to introduce people to Jesus, because I think that's really the only thing that can lead to a lasting change, a meaningful, eternal change. But I think it's very important that we maintain a global perspective, even as we exercise our compassion on a
1: micro level. When I'm thinking about a macro level, I'm really talking about systemic things that you really can't have a ton of influence over. Like, let me give you a silly example, although I don't think this is a systemic problem, but it it is a silly example. Let's say it really, really bugs you how much our president tweets. All right, let's say that just drives you nuts. I
0: can't imagine anyone feels that way. I know, I
1: know. There's nothing you can do about that. Right. There is not a thing you can do about that. I mean,
0: unless you can, like, hack Twitter. But I w- well, certainly yeah. wouldn't
1: encourage no, that. I wouldn't here. encourage that. And, and so that's a macro problem. You have no influence over that. But, like, sponsoring a child in another country and addressing their education and food and water needs and housing needs, that is, like you were saying, that is the micro level. Right. That That is something you can have influence but over. But it's also global. And it's global. So, yeah, it, m- macro, when I say that, all I really mean is, something that you can't control and have no influence over. Right. That all you're going to do is make
0: a bunch of noise expressing your anger and, and ultimately just just not do any good when you could be doing good, when you could be compassionately caring for someone in a way that honestly could change a life.
1: And there is there's such a big difference that, that we can all make in, in, our, in our local communities and, and even globally for that, for that matter by just doing what we can do. And, and focusing on that. If you focus on the stuff you can't control, uh, you're gonna you're gonna find yourself frustrated. Your compassion's gonna diminish. Now, let's kind of move into another idea that that we've talked some about uh, in terms of how are, can you be moved by someone when you don't agree with them. So we've talked about compassion is being moved by someone else's problem. What do you do when someone else's problem is someone that that you you disagree with? Maybe you're, you view that they're, they're uh, the reason for their own problem, or you disagree with their lifestyle, or whatever the case may be. You disagree with them. How can you be moved when you disagree? I guess that's the the beauty of
0: compassion versus justice, that justice, I want to know, why do you feel that way? Why? Because I, I think, you know, if I think you're wrong, if, if it's someone that, I, you know, I disagree, I want to know, you know, why did you make that decision? You know, what, what, what's led up to this? And, and, and really, I'm just looking for a way that I can, I can disagree with you and ultimately, I think, convince you that you're wrong. Compassion isn't about that. Compassion isn't about convincing you that you're wrong and that I'm right. Compassion is about valuing who you are. You know that that recognizing that God has placed His image in all of us, that we all carry the image of God, and that regardless of uh, of whether or not I agree with you uh, in, in every area, and and I mean, spoiler alert, I don't. You're never going to find someone no. that you just agree with 100% about everything everywhere, and that shouldn't matter when it comes to how much you care for someone, when it comes to being moved to care for someone. I think a key here is that we need, to, we need to listen better. We need to do a better job valuing others' stories rather than trying to explain why. Why are they like this? Why do they believe this? Why, rather than trying to, to convince them that they're wrong, we need to do a better job just listening to their story because that's the thing I think that, that, that moves me. When I hear your story, it doesn't matter whether I agree with you or not. I can identify. I can connect in these different points. That must have been very hard for you. You know, I didn't know this about you. It it opens me up emotionally to be moved on your behalf.
1: I think that listening is the fuel that drives the compassion engine, basically. And we've gotten so loud. This is going to sound hypocritical from two guys doing a podcast, but... Um, we've gotten so loud, and everybody's voicing their own opinion, and we've really stopped listening. Yeah. You know, to use kind of a another, I think it's a silly example, but it's, you know, in the news these days, uh, the NFL anthem protests, you know, that, that we've talked about that before. I, I think if we could learn to listen in that situation, you know, if you can listen to the kind of grizzled old veteran who, uh, uh, you know, has had um, a, a lifetime of challenges because of his service to our country. If you can listen to him and, and hear him say, I find people not standing for the anthem offensive. And it would be really easy to say, well, you're wrong. But if you'd listen to his story, you could, you could potentially be moved by that guy. Same thing with these NFL players. That if you could stop and listen to them for a minute about their upbringing and how difficult it was, and how poor they were. And, and just being moved by their story, listening, I, I think would solve so many things in our culture. I think
0: that's the beauty of compassion. I don't have to agree with you to be moved to compassion for you. And that is the kingdom perspective, that it's not about getting everyone to agree. It's about listening enough to allow myself— to be moved on your behalf, to be moved to do something that would meet your needs. Not what I think your needs are, because I think that's important too, that, that compassion isn't about me meeting your needs in the way that I think they need to be met. Compassion is about me actually, me recognizing what you actually need. And I have to listen closely to be able to know that, to be able to see that. I have to, I have to get to know you to, to recognize what you really need. Not what I think you need, you know, because I think you need to, you know, believe the way I believe. That's not compassion,
1: right? And and that's to kind of put a, a a top on the conversation that, you know, as you were as you were talking about as we were talking about showing compassion when when I don't agree, you know, the Bible says about Jesus that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and that's our example for compassion, right? Certainly, he wasn't he didn't was not in, in agreement with our behavior. No, and it wasn't his problem. Right. Our sin was not his problem. But he made it his problem. He made it his problem. And that's what compassion is. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, Good conversation, and uh, we'll plan to see you guys next time on A Kingdom Perspective.